0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is currently Thursday, October 31st. It's Halloween. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. I'm going to be recording this video and getting it out to you. It's our final thoughts for the week or the audio version if you're listening on the podcast. What's up over there? My name is Sal Vetri, and I do cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and the MLB streets. We have a 10 game NFL slate, the smallest that we've had this year. I believe it's a tie for the smallest as many teams continue to go on by. And it's a nice size sleep with a lot of interesting pricing. I would say some discrepancies and really just overall priced up players across all positions this week. Uh, mainly, you have a priced up high tier at running back and a very, very high priced up wide receiver tier with about 10 guys priced up in the 7K and high 8K range. But before we get into it, if you could hit the subscribe button, it really helps me out. If you're listening on the audio version, you could hit the subscribe button. That also really helps me out as well as just leaving a five-star rate and review. Review is the biggest thing. Helps me reach more people. And this is something that I love doing. It's a full-time job for me and I would love to reach more people. If you get satisfaction out of it, I can only imagine that more people might as well enjoy this form of content. So Greatly appreciate it if you could do that. Hit the description down below for some free strategy guides. My social media accounts: Twitter is the big one at DFS. Instagram is just my name, Salvetri, same as Facebook. Be sure not to follow my dad. He probably does not have much to offer outside of probably some pretty cool pictures of food. Um, but you probably don't need that. You probably have a bunch of crazy uncles who already do that stuff. So make sure it's the same picture across all my platforms of course um but yes other than that i have my patreon exclusive pod uh, content which there are podcasts on linked up down below for the nfl um we are going to have the ownership show on friday the closing thoughts on sunday loads of content already out there my game by game notes which i now added a a cheaper tier for people that just kind of want some no podcast but maybe just some uh, data in some of the game by game notes and cash game tiers that is all on that tier but you can check it out it's linked up down below if you're interested in any of my exclusive content we crushed through 300 patrons subscribers. So I really appreciate each and every one of you. You guys are awesome. And thank you so much for the support. So We got that all out of the way. Finally, last thing to say is that this video today is going to be sponsored by Fantasy Draft. They are revolutionizing the way that people play fantasy football or really daily fantasy sports and why, you might ask Sal. Well, it's rake-free. You might get charged for transaction fees about 3%, but the difference between that 3% transaction fee that you really can only just enter once and only have to pay at one time, your $100 you might deposit, $3 is coming off of it, compared to the $15 to $20 that you lose every single time you enter a DraftKings contest on average over the long-term, Because of rake, it's management fees. Well, they're not doing that no more. They took apart a different way of doing it on Fantasy Draft. They have transaction fees. They also have some packages that you can play on as well um, on a monthly basis but it all comes out to being very very cheap a fraction of the cost of what you're losing um, in DraftKings and FanDuel and yes I love DraftKings and I don't play as much on FanDuel but that being said I'm moving a lot of my action over to fantasy draft because you're just saving more money it might not seem more upfront but at the end of the day if you track your results which you should do to keep yourself just honest about how you're playing and really know how you're performing if you do track your results you will see that you are saving a lot more money um, playing the exact same type of thing salary cap DFS so check out fantasy. draft there's a link down below if you do want to check out their week nine contest and if you want to win a free entry into that contest you can just rate and review the podcast linked up down below leave your fantasy draft handle five-star review leave something nice about this podcast if you're watching on the youtube channel you can click that link up down below in the description you can also click the link to fantasy draft if you want to play on any of the platforms that you are listening on so all the plugs are out of the way extended plugarooskies today uh, but as we run to the final thoughts video for week nine, let's get into it with the quarterback position. I think, it's a, I think it's a very interesting week because I don't have too big of a player pool in terms of just like overall stack interests. I think there's a lot of odd spots, and I think there's honestly a lot of trap spots. You can see I don't have many notes on here. That's because I've shifted them all over to my game-by-game notes on Patreon but you can see I have five quarterbacks start here. I mean, obviously if I'm playing at 150 lineups, if I end up playing this weekend, I don't really like the slate all that much, but I usually don't play 150 lineups. I play 20 max, three max and single entry and then cash games. Um, But what you're seeing here is just a very small player pool. If you're watching on the video version, and we'll go through it for the people on the audio version, starting with just two yeses. And yes, I think there's some other quarterbacks that can be yeses. And yes, some other nos can be maybes, but At the end of the day, if I'm trying to find people to stack with upside, this is where I get to. Starting off with Matthew Stafford and Jameis Winston as my two yeses, Matthew Stafford gets a matchup against Oakland, who ranks the second worst in the league against passing. Um, They give up the second most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. They shipped out their best cornerback last week to Houston and Conley, and they really have nobody left now with Trevion Mullen on the outside. And then the other outside, and in the slot, you have Lamarcus Joyner, who's been pretty pitiful. And then on the outside, on the other hash markup opposite of Trevion Mullen, you have Darrell Worley, who's also been pretty bad in terms of allowing touchdowns and just overall receptions and yardage this year you have matthew stafford who's averaging 35.7 pass attempts per game that's top five on the slate and now he's going to be for a second straight week without carry on johnson the guy who they would actually if at all give the responsibilities of being a workhorse running back now you had last week four running backs seeing a good amount of snaps and the ones that saw the most snaps ty johnson who let a lot of people down and once you see four running backs active and if you tuned into our live video on sunday you knew do not play ty johnson with four running backs active he was the main one used still, and heavily involved in the passing game, or at least targets wise. And he was overthrown on a deep wheel route touchdown, probably hurt a lot of people who ended up playing him um, in just kind of a a kick them while they're down type of effort there by Ty Johnson and Matt Stafford. But the point being is, these running backs who are out there, yes, there's a lot of them, so it makes the backfield just a mess to really even want to rely on if you're the Lions. And then two, it's just that you have two out of three of these guys in J.D. McKissick and Ty Johnson are pass catching backs, so. Already a good three wide receiver set with Amendola in the slot. Marvin Jones on the outside and Kenny Galladay on the outside, all who have good to beneficial matchups, positive matchups for themselves. And now you have a backfield that's not really going to help you on the ground. Matthew Stafford has been throwing a ton this year, a 24.25 team implied total. As just two point favorites, I like this spot for Matthew Stafford to throw close to uh, 38 to 40 times in this game. And he has clear stacking options. One of my favorite quarterbacks. He's priced up, but I like it. Jameis Winston is not so much priced up at 6,100, going to go into Seattle in a secondary that I think is susceptible. I don't think they're that good. Matt Schaub surely had a lot of yards against them last week, over 400, um, I think closer to 450 in terms of his passing yards, but, and it wasn't all garbage time. Oh, Sal, he did it in garbage time. In the fourth quarter, he had 100 yards. where the other 300 yards come from? where does his 200 first half yards come from? The Seattle secondary is pretty poor outside of Shaq Griffin. They continue to lose bodies, placing another safety on IR. It's not a good secondary where the likes of Teddy Bridgewater has had success against the secondary. We just saw Matt Schaum. Really, anybody who wants to. And now you have Jameis Winston, who surely is not a good real-life quarterback having, what, nine turnovers the last two weeks. But it doesn't really matter how bad, of a turno- how bad turnovers he has. Honestly, and I said it earlier in the week, if he's going to have three interceptions in a game, and I said three, not 300, I like that. I'm fine with that. That's actually beneficial for us because then he's going to throw more in the entire game and not have to hand it off as much. Um, so I like Jameis here. Again, he has clear stacking options for a GPP. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are both priced up, but they're the only two wide receivers um, on this team that are going to get the ball thrown. to so then really only two weapons with OJ Howard and Cameron B- Braid banged up. Jameis is throwing 37.6 times per game. I like the overall opportunity for Jameis Winston. Has a lower total, which is not great. A six point, six and a half point in some spots, road underdog. Seattle has been susceptible like we talked about. I just like the overall volume here for him. Those are my two yeses. (laughs) I just like the clear options in the passing game. Russell Wilson at 7,100. He's a maybe. And the only reason he's not a yes, one, he's priced up to 7,100. Two. Obviously, he gets a fantastic matchup against Tampa. No matter if it's Hargraves on the outside, whoever it is that his wide receivers are going to be facing in Lockett and Metcalf, they clearly have fantastic matchups, especially when you consider Tampa Bay is a very good run-stop team, the best in the league right now, only allowing around 60 yards per game, 66, somewhere in that range to the running back position actually i believe it's now in the 50s so the running back position so carson's gonna have a tough matchup they might have to throw more the issue is a guy in russell wilson was throwing 31.3 times per game in his career especially i mean pete carroll being his head coach pretty much that entire time the entire time in his career with pete carroll there if they're home favorites by a touchdown or more they run the ball heavily If it's anywhere near a touchdown or more, we saw earlier this season, especially when they're at home earlier this season with the Cardinals, they got up big. They only ran the ball. Russell Wilson was a dud. Tyler Lockett was a dud at higher ownership, right? And this is a very similar spot, albeit a much easier matchup. The Cardinals secondary though, when it had no Patrick Peterson then was a very easy matchup as well. They're very content. The big difference is the Tampa Bay Bucks have a better run stop than the Cardinals did then. But they're very content with just running the ball. A 29-team total leads me to believe that Russell Wilson has a good day here, but again, he's 7,100, and you have to pay up for Tyler Lockett. A favorable, but I believe overpriced DK Metcalf. Yes, 5,700 is not expensive, but considering he's really just a one-trick pony, needs to score touchdowns, is getting a lot of red zone opportunities this year. I believe he has double-digit red zone targets this season, as well as two touchdowns last week, but I think that's propping it up. And it was the flukiest two-touchdown performance as he was wide open, did not have to make a jump ball catch, did not have to get separation, just wide open on two plays, not because he was... um, Um, fooling anybody. They just let him go for some reason twice in one game. Pretty porous defense uh, last week against him. So, Wilson at 7,100. You have to pay for him, and if you're stacking him, you have to stack him with Tyler Lockett, which is again a steep price point against a really bad Tampa Bay defense. Don't get me wrong; they're third worst in the league right now, third worst in the slate tied, but uh, the the lines in terms of fantasy points allowed per game, Russell Wilson has been by far very very fantastic. And then you throw into the fact that he has rushing upside, averaging 5.38 rushing attempts per game. That's the second highest on the slate, and 22.8 rushing yards per game, second highest on the slate, both only behind Josh Allen. So. Russell Wilson, I don't play naked quarterbacks. What the heck? He said a naked quarterback. Yes, a naked quarterback just means you're not stacking on the slate in terms of not pairing him with another one of his players for correlation reasons, which is not a good idea. Naked quarterbacks, they have upside if they get you there on the ground, right? Lamar Jackson in the past. um, Josh Allen last year was doing it a couple times for Millie Makers. Mitch Trubisky has done it before, but I believe he was needed in a stack. Anyways. I do not think that there's that much upside in Russell Wilson naked, but I do think it's interesting because you have to rely on him to get 50 yards and a touchdown on the ground probably, but he does distribute the ball a lot. And if he only throws 28 times, one of the most efficient in this year, the most efficient quarterback in NFL history, though, one of the most efficient in terms of touchdown efficiency per drive, it's a spot where at his price point, he might have to pay it off by distributing the ball. Uh, none of his receivers really go off. Lockett doesn't pay off a $7,500 price tag. And DK Metcalf doesn't pay off a $5,700 price tag. But they all do okay enough not to be needed. And then he adds in some sort of rushing touchdown against a pressure team in Tampa Bay that does not pressure all that much. They're closer to middle of the pack, bottom half of the league. Actually, I believe they're 11th worst in the league at pressure rate. And if you're not pressuring Russell Wilson, he's going to take off and burn you on the ground. Uh, and that's where he's had some of his bigger games this season. So although I don't fully recommend and endorse a naked quarterback of Russell Wilson, I actually think it's interesting when you factor in the salary pricing of the other wide receivers around him and how this team usually likes to play. Get up ahead at home, run the ball, even if it's ineffective with Chris Carson we've seen in the past, run the ball 20 times, even if he only has 65 yards on the ground, they'll take it, they'll burn the clock, they'll get the win, and they'll get out of there. So he's interesting to me this week. The price point, a little bit restrictive, but I think it's okay for his skill set. Sam Darnold, look, he was a yes, now he's a maybe. Look, I like the price point of 5900 the matchup against Miami. Second most fantasy points per game allowed to the position this uh, season, on this slate at least, is Miami to Sam Darnold. They just put Xavier Howard on IR. They acquired a key to lead, but he's still on IR, Like, and he's terrible this year anyways, defensive back from the um, Rams. They have nobody. They have nobody at all. Um just to guard any of these receivers. Robbie Anderson should have a great day. Uh, Jamison Crowder out of the slot should have an okay cash day, but will he get there in a tournament? I don't think so. Like how much do you really have to throw as a five and a half point favorite against Miami here if you're Sam Darnold? He's only averaging 33.8, a decent number, around average pass attempts per game. But you would surely imagine that goes down as a lot of that has been trailing from behind, playing from behind and having to throw more. It's a get right spot for him in this offense. But when you're talking about trying to correlate a winning lineup through stacks, yes, stacking him at Robbie Anderson makes sense. And I think that that's fine, especially at Anderson's price point, his matchup against probably Ken Webster on the outside, really a third string cornerback at this point in his career. But that's the starting quarterback on the Miami Dolphins this season, or at least at this point. It's a spot where Sam Darnold has upside But is it enough if you're trying to correlate lineups, which has been proven to be the best way to actually win tournaments? And why would you go against the grain and try and not correlate and stack your lineups? Because then you're just openly saying that you don't want to take the clearest route and the easiest route percentage-wise to victory. It's just very odd to me that people would take a less likely chance to win um, in terms of DFS when it comes to stacking in tournaments. The arguments that I hear are, oh, but you could win other ways. I see people doing it. Yeah. And they're much less likely to win. So when you follow a less likely path to success, you're probably going to end up unsuccessful, which usually means that person. And in general, DFS takes a lot of luck, but that person got extremely lucky. If you look at the far majority of tournament winning lineups, a lot of them are going to correlate. And just the history shows that using stacks is the best way to actually um, correlate a win, especially if you're stacking the, the proper ways to stack with good quarterbacks and their good wide receivers in a higher total game. So yes, um Sam Darnold does not fit that mold because Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson is fine for upside but Jamison Crowder does not fit the mold of a when you're a five and a half six point favorite and you're a slot wide receiver that relies on volume to hit a ceiling I mean this man had double digit receptions earlier this season and didn't even hit 100 yards if that's like his ceiling type of a game if he doesn't find the end zone and he rarely does at least on this team he has yet to uh, really get in the end zone all that much and I get it Darnold wasn't there a lot but if you tell me that a guy like Crowder catches six balls for 60 yards this week. I think that's great for cash at his price point, right? And that's a pretty solid week for a guy like Crowder, especially if they're going to be favorites in this one. But that doesn't do anything for me in a GPP. I need more upside. His targets, his air yards per targets are in the single digits when Robbie Anderson's are clearly almost double that. So I'll stick to Sam Donald as sort of a maybe. Pair him with Robbie Anderson if you play him. I think that you want to go for a team full team stack or full game stack. And I just don't really trust uh, Crowder as my second option. And I don't want to correlate him with Le'Veon Bell all that much. You can though, you can play Le'Veon Bell, Sam Donald and Robbie Anderson. I think there's some upside there. Philip Rivers is my last maybe at 5,100. Look, Packers pass rush coming in. Philip Rivers is in the best spot if you just think about Vegas. Home underdogs usually is a great betting spot, which usually means it's a underpriced spot for fantasy quarterbacks, and he definitely is at 5,100. Now, the Packers have a solid secondary, and what makes them even more solid is they have a top three pass rush in the league, especially at just rushing four passers, and his offensive line, Phillip Rivers, has been pretty abysmal. This should be one of the slower-paced games of the week. They're only implied for 21.5 points at home as three-point underdogs, and the Packers are not allowing all that much fantasy points to the quarterback position. Bottom five at 16.3 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this season. A lot of that is who's they, who they have played. I mean, they have played Kirk Cousins in a run-heavy script for Minnesota. They've played Mitch Trubisky, Joe Flacco. Right. They have not played um, world beaters. Matt Moore last week had a very good game against them. But that said, they have a very good pass rush and a solid secondary. Um, so something the Packers are not used to. Uh, Philip Rivers as a home underdog, I think he's interesting for GPPs because of the price point at 5100. If he just gets some sort of protection in a game that is probably a must-win for them at home again three-point underdogs it's a spot that I think is okay I don't like the total of 21 and a half, but at his price point there's so many guys you compare him with between Hunter Henry Keenan Allen Mike Williams and we'll get into some of those guys even Austin Eckler to an extent correlates with him nicely that I think he's an okay spot for GPPs only at his price point and the risk of his offensive line being bad against this defensive line I don't think you want to put that in more of your stable lineups for cash nobody else stands out all that much as of right now Aaron Rodgers, he's priced up to 6,900. He's like priced to his ceiling. He's been highly effective the last couple of weeks on like 31 pass attempts. And look, I love Aaron Rodgers. I'm a Packers fan and I, I can critique them and not try and be biased here. Aaron Rodgers has been surviving on his running backs in the receiving game, which is a very good thing to do when you have a running back on a linebacker and maybe he gets Devontae Adams back this week. We'll see. But at 6,900 for a team that only wants Rodgers and they've said it all year long to throw the ball right around 30 to 32 times max and really rely on the running game, stay bounced. Rodgers has had a couple of games and really just one that is skewing his attempts, 35.4 per game. He had a 50-plus attempt game earlier this season against the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. But other than that, like he has been very much in the 30 range. And when you're running back last week and Aaron Jones, plays phenomenal. Right? They're scheming great. They're putting him out wide. He's on a linebacker and has over half of your passing yards in Aaron Jones in the receiving yard in the receiving game that's probably not sustainable so now you're paying top dollar for Aaron Rodgers clearly a great quarterback but you're paying top dollar for him in a matchup that he played the Chiefs last week who had just no secondary no pass rush all injured Kendall Fuller was out uh, a slot cornerback they had no Chris Jones a pass rusher out no Frank Clark a, a linebacker defensive end out so and then the week before they play Oakland who's clearly one of the bottom three secondaries and teams on defense in the league now you get the Chargers who are definitely banged up on defense defensive tackles are hurt but they have Casey Hayward former Packer and they have Desmond King in the slot two solid cornerbacks which they have not faced the past couple of weeks so even though they're going to scheme still if Devontae Adams is out to Aaron Rodgers and Jamal Williams in the backfield you'd imagine now two three weeks of film on that defense are going to start to get better at it and also they're just not going to continuously break 50 yard passes uh, to their running backs. so Rodgers priced up if he was 6,000 yeah I'd have interest but now he's priced to his ceiling and he's just been exceeding expectations on his attempts so you're paying for an unsustainable Aaron Rodgers in my opinion um, at what he's been doing on his volume and now he's going to be a three-point road or three-point road favorite does not seem all that great. Other than that, Josh Allen, same price point, good matchup, but I don't really trust him to go for a 300 plus yard game. Running him naked is not something I really want to do. Uh, and nothing else really stands out. I guess you could put Derek Carr and a maybe. He has clear options now with Tyrell Williams back to stack with Tyrell Williams. Uh, we really wouldn't go Josh Jacobs. Um, and then you have Darren Waller, but you can put him as a maybe. Maybe I will right now, actually, since I, don't, I think I like that game a lot. Both sides of it, Oakland and Detroit. Uh, there's clear options to run it back with on both sides for stacking. Derek Carr has actually been very good this season. I mean, in terms of winning games, no. Maybe it's a lot of garbage time because his defense is so bad. Uh, but he's been good in terms of producing in fantasy. So that's where I'm at right now. Let's move on to running back. Running back pool is pretty big this week. 14. Lots of question marks, and lots of yeses for a 10 game slate. I'm sure this will get filtered down. We'll talk about it on the Sunday morning closing thoughts show um, for Patreon i have interest in both of the top end guys, McCaffrey and Cook. McCaffrey is priced up surely, but again, he's Christian McCaffrey. The interesting thing is early ownership numbers show him being the highest owned player in the slate with Dalvin Cook only coming in half to a third of his ownership on some sites. I like Dalvin Cook a lot more this week, even if they were at equal ownership. He faces Kansas City, who's going to be without Xavier Williams still for the year on IR. He's going to be probably without Chris Jones, another defensive lineman, more so a pass rusher, but somebody to take up space there. And Frank Clark, a defensive end, who's also going to likely be out with a couple of injuries, one of them most recently being a neck injury. You have Kansas City giving up 30.9 fantasy points per game. That's top, I believe, three on this slate. Um, Yeah, top three on the slate this season to the running back position. Or 30.9 last year. This year, they are giving up even worse, 32.7. That is the most on the slate this season to the running back spot. So it's just a really good spot for Dalvin Cook and a team that wants to run the ball. They're going to be favorites. There's no Patrick Mahomes. um, So there's a good chance they take the lead here against what is the bottom-ranked run defense in Kansas City. $9,500 for Dalvin Cook, who's averaging close to 24 opportunities, 23.8 to be exact per game. I like this spot a lot for him. I prefer him over Christian McCaffrey if you're paying up. Aaron Jones, I have here written down if Devontae Adams is out. If Devontae Adams is out, I like Aaron Jones a ton at $7,000. Probably my favorite $7,000 running back. If Devontae Adams is in, Aaron Jones is still a fine play, but not nearly a priority. Right now, he's the number one. Um, receiver as a running back in this Packers offense. Again, he's being schemed for. Last week, he scores a long wide receiver screen touchdown on the outside. He catches a ball for about 50 yards, and he steps out of bounds. Would have been a touchdown, but he got like the yardage before that, just stepped out on the way to the end zone, and that was on a double move on the outside against linebackers. They're going to continue to scheme him into this offense very well, and that's not even to take into account that he's I believe the overall touchdown leader uh, in terms of his touchdowns on the air and on the ground this season, he's just so highly productive in this offense, even on 60% of the snaps. He's still, right now, he's up to over 19 opportunities per game. To be exact, it's 19.5. And that's pretty much just playing 60% of the snaps all year because you still do have Jamal Williams in this backfield. If there's no Devontae Adams, I love Aaron Jones, the way he'll be schemed into this Offense is a three-point favorite. Um, for a running back, is always great. If Devontae Adams is in, and I don't really expect Adams to be a full go, like his practice on Wednesday was without a helmet and barely like practicing. So there's a good chance he misses. But if he is in, I think Aaron Jones is still Aaron Jones is still a fine play at the price point. Just is not as much of a priority when they scheme with Adams out there. Josh Jacobs is a yes for me. You have Detroit giving up the second most fantasy points per game to the running back position, 32.5. They've really been missing Mike Daniels in the middle of this line. Damian Snacks Harrison has not been playing well either. Two of their big players, defensive tackles that stopped the run well. With no Mike Daniels for a month now, does not seem like he's trending towards playing. Josh Jacobs averaging around 19 opportunities per game, most of those over 17 coming on the ground. And he continues to be heavily used in a scheme that does work for him. Uh, His offense. Oakland has a top five run blocking advantage. I believe it's the second best on the slate this week at $6,500. I actually do like him. And he is a two-point favorite with a team total of 26.25. Derrick Henry is a yes for me. There is a crazy stat out there right now. Carolina gives up the seventh most points. And I guess this is, I mean, out there. I I just found it in the research. It's in the game notes as well, but I'll share it. Carolina gives up the seventh most fantasy points per game to a running back position. And they give up the least receptions. So a, this this is DraftKings scoring. So what that tells you is they're giving up a lot of production on the ground. They give up the most rushing touchdowns. And now you have exactly what fits that kind of description. Derrick Henry does not catch the ball. They don't give up receptions anyways to running backs is what this stat is saying. But they also give up the 7th most top 10 production to running backs and all the most rushing touchdowns so far this season. Obviously rushing touchdowns is somewhat um, skewed a little bit, but when you're giving up a lot, it's definitely something to take note of. And now Derrick Henry comes to town at $5,700. He's a three-point road underdog, which is the worrisome part. But even if this game, even if they're trailing by three most of the game, they will still run the ball. He will still see close to 18 plus carries. You can project them confidently probably for 16 carries more times than not right around 18 carries. So for a guy who's going up against Carolina, giving up a lot of rushing yards so far this year and touchdowns, I do like this at a reduced price tag. I'm not usually one to like the guy who doesn't catch the ball because if things get wonky and they start getting blown out, it's really difficult for him to have any value, whereas other running backs like Aaron Jones have value there. Now he's priced up. The price point coming down for Henry, I do like that at 5700 Mark Walton at 4,500 played 87% of the snaps against the Steelers. And he, in the last week, when obviously Kenyon Drake is now with Arizona, and you also saw Mark Walton run 34 routes. Now, I'm curious to see if they activate Lard, I think it is Layard, or Miles Gaskin, a third running back for Sunday's game. They only had Kalen Balazs, uh and and um, Walton active for the game against the Steelers, which means that there was not too much production to be skewed anywhere else, and Walton got all the usage. He saw 17 opportunities. 17 opportunities in a game where they were getting blown out most of the second half. In this game, yes, they're still underdogs, but much closer, only five-and-a-half point spread against a bad Jets team that will not have C.J. Mosley now for at least five to six weeks. It's a good spot for Walton that... I can feel really good about projecting Mark Walton for three receptions in this game. I'm sure the over-under for his receptions in Vegas is somewhere around three. So if I project him for three receptions, and usually that leads to, what, 20 yards or so on average for running backs, you're getting five fantasy points out of a $4,500 running back just in the receiving game alone as a medium. Obviously, when you project him on the ground, he's going to come somewhere close to 10. He projects out very nicely. My projections are over on Patreon. At 4500 I have interest. Jalen Samuels will quickly become probably the best running back play in the slate at $4,000 if indeed James Conner is ruled out. Mike Tomlin said earlier in the week that Conner doesn't have to practice all week, but he might practice on Friday, so don't expect him to practice. He did not practice Wednesday. I don't expect him to practice Thursday. But if he is indeed out and he has an AC joint sprain, which usually will leave you out, I imagine for at least a week is what I've seen. $4,000 Jalen Samuels with the Pittsburgh Steelers third string running back, Benny Snell Jr. now out two to three weeks. If Connor is out, Samuels is going to come into a workload of like 80 plus percent of the workload here with only Trey Edmonds, fourth string running back, a guy who played really just in the preseason um, and very sparingly there to have some of the workload if that happens. Now you face Indiana or Indianapolis, the Colts who gave up the most receptions to running backs last year, have not been as um, giving in the receiving game to running backs this year, but it's very much skewed to who they've played. They have given up receptions uh, to Austin Eckler week one, and really they have not faced much of uh, a pass catching running back um, team so far this season outside of that week one where Eckler did get the best of them six catches I believe a big day in the air for over 80 yards and a touchdown so now you get Jalen Samuels a former tight end in college it's just a great spot like a four thousand dollar flat Full on running back here in a spot where it's pretty much a pick 'em. I think they are one point underdogs, so pretty much a pick 'em. And you know, this team with Mason Rudolph at the helm wants to throw short to the running backs and wants to throw on the ball. So, if indeed you see, then we might not know, and we probably won't until Sunday, if you indeed see James connor ruled out, just know that Jalen Samuel becomes probably the best play on the slate at the running back position. Some of my maybes, Le'Veon Bell moved from a yes to a maybe, only because I'm still waiting on the status of Devontae Adams, and I like Aaron Jones more for $700 less. Obviously, it's a great matchup against Miami. This Jets offensive line, though, very bad. Second worst in the league in adjusted line blocking. They are going to be probably without Ryan Cahill, who got injured, but he's been terrible at center. They released Osmelli because of just some, like I guess, liability issues, but they're going to just call it something else right now for just some things that you can look more into about his shoulder and how there's this big saga now between the management trying to make him play through an injury but anyways this line that has already been bad is now down two more offensive linemen so maybe that's an improvement we'll see but i doubt it midweek shuffling of two offensive linemen you are a five and a half point favorite so that does indeed help bell and there's really no competition for his overall touches and miami so far this year giving up the third most fantasy points to running backs at 32 points per game total combined through all of the team's running backs per week so Bell's in a good spot if you want to pay for him. The way I see my lineups unfolding this week is that I probably get to Dalvin Cook or somewhere in that range, maybe fit in a Mark Walton or or Samuels if he becomes available, definitely. So trying to pay for $7,700, Le'Veon Bell, I just don't see the upside in that in terms of squeezing it in and then really constricting what I can do uh, in terms of my tight ends and wide receivers. I think he's a fine play. Obviously Miami, everybody's had good games against them. It's nothing terrible at all by any means. The Jets run blocking advantage, though, this week is one of the worst ones on the slate. And that shouldn't come to any surprise because their offensive line has been pretty terrible. James Conner is a maybe. Again, if he plays, I'll have some interest in him at the price tag. But I'm really thinking that he'll lean towards doubtful or really towards questionable. And if he plays, it might not be a full go. Nick Chubb and Chris Carson. Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, both have terrible matchups. Best run defense in the league right now is Tampa Bay. Third best is Denver. Uh, They both look so stout this year. Tampa Bay has shut down Christian McCaffrey on three out of the four of his games or his quarters so far this season, which is pretty hard to do and um, amazing, really based on how versatile he is and Nick Chubb gets Denver who only showed uh, that they were really exposed by Leonard Fournette 225 yards but they did not have Derek Wolf. they did not have Bradley Chubb they lost him in that game and they filled in Derek Wolf with his backup who is one of the worst tackling defensive um, linemen in the league so since then though if you if you kind of factor out that game per game they're only giving up like 48 rushing yards per game to running backs not great for Nick Chubb but if you look at this matchup here What's the way to win? You're probably not going to uh, survive this offensive line for Baker Mayfield for a whole game. So I imagine that you do continue to see very good usage for Nick Chubb, a guy who right now ranks top three in elusive rating in pro football focus, model. He's number three behind Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook in overall uh, rushing on the ground this season he's number one in breakaway percentage at 45.7%. Nick Chubb has been fantastic. He'll stay as a maybe. I prefer Aaron Jones over him if Devontae Adams is out. If not, it gets much, much closer in that 7K range. I prefer Nick Chubb to Chris Carson uh, slightly. And now all their ownerships are high. Nick Chubb's, Carson's, Le'Veon Bell's. Aaron Jones is lower than all of them. So I also recommend that and like that. Uh, but the ownership on guys like Chris Carson, I believe it's the highest tied in the slate with Christian McCaffrey. It makes sense because He's a six and a half point favorite and a high team total, the highest on the slate at twenty nine, um, and uh, twenty nine. And then it's also a spot where he has good volume, but the matchup is so dreadful to pay thirty uh, percent ownership for. It's it's somewhat interesting, I would say. Austin Eckler's a maybe but we saw him not get much opportunities last week if you're going to be a home underdog you imagine that they just use a little bit more Eckler this week um, and it should be pretty obvious to Anthony Lynn that they should he's a maybe really just a GPP play only kind of lost in the 6k range all by himself um, the next closest guy in that range that makes some sense to me we already talked about him is Derrick Henry. Jordan Howard at 5,100, rather find the money and get up Uh, to Derrick Henry or just save money and go down to like a Mark Walton. But again, Chicago has been really hurting on the ground. Now, it only takes Melvin Gordon last week to kind of cure that for you. Melvin Gordon has been so, so ineffective. Um, But you do have still no hicks likely. We'll see. We'll monitor that, but likely no hicks for Chicago. Miles Sanders is going to be banged up and leaning towards questionable should be playing, they're saying, but we don't have an official status on him. So Jordan Howard should get 15 plus carries here. He's 5100, a very similar spot to where Tevin Coleman was last week, where he's going to be very touchdown dependent. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to score four touchdowns like last week's Tevin Coleman. But if you do get Jordan Howard to at $5100 get you around a 15 point game or so, um, it's an okay spot to be at. Lastly, Devin Singletary. Look, he played 60 plus percent of the snaps. I think like 68 percent of the snaps last week, but they were trailing. They were down two to three scores against the Eagles the whole second half. So it's very much expected that you don't keep Frank Gore out there and passing down situations at his age when it's getting colder in Buffalo. So now this week, I think that he's interesting still at his price point as a tournament only play. But you really need him to burst some huge plays. And he has been. He has he's tops. One of the top players in the league on limited touches in terms of explosive plays in terms of touches that go for 10 or more yards um, again on very limited carries but this is a spot where I see as them being nine and a half point favorites he gets some work surely but I think you're going to see the snaps balance out maybe even lean Frank Gore's way as the game uh, is a little bit more favorable in terms of their chances of winning run game positive script going to wide receiver I got a lot less this week 18 and it makes sense it's only a 10 game slate usually we're in like the 20 to 24 range I like Kenny Galladay I like him a lot here. He's going to go up against Oakland, whether it's Trevion Mullen, whether it's Daryl Worley. He has a fantastic matchup. These safeties are terrible, and he's a clear stacking option on Matt Stafford. He's priced up, surely, but again, uh, a lot of other wide receivers are as well. I like both Chris Goblin and Mike Evans. Both have really good matchups. It doesn't matter where they're going to be lining up. Trey Flowers should be back for Seattle on the outside, a cornerback who is a bigger cornerback likely to be on Mike Evans, which means Mike Evans avoids Shaq Griffin, who's been their best cornerback this year, but he's just undersized for the matchup against Evans. The matchup for Evans against Trey Flowers is going to be a beneficial one. I prefer this week, once again, Mike Evans to Chris Goblin. Mike Evans right now has 12 end zone targets, 12 red zone targets leading to three touchdowns. That's 37.5% of this team's currently um, red zone target share so he's getting looked at more than one out of every three targets from Jameis winston in the end zone and winston is averaging right around four and a half to five red zone targets per game so it's just a very good opportunity every single week for evans to get in the end zone he has 38.2 air yard market share and he has 15.7 air yards per target this season on 91% snaps 9.6 targets per game Mike Evans is in a great spot Chris Goblin coming out of the slot averaging 8.9 targets per game will also have a very good matchup because he's just he's not your stereotypical slot receiver because he's a huge body not a smaller guy so he always has a beneficial matchup in terms of having 15 pounds on Seattle slot cornerback this week Chris Goblin has also seen some red zone targets right around 7 so Mike Evans, definitely the bigger body in the red zone. Uh, and on the outside, usually the priority right now for Winston. Both of these guys are in play. I like stacking them with Winston. They're expensive, though. So you're going to need to find value if you want to do so. Allen Robinson, Jalen Mills returned for the Eagles, but still a beneficial spot for Robinson. I said this today on the Awesome Strategy Show with Lawfi, and I wrote it in the game-by-game notes. Can you imagine if Allen Robinson had a good quarterback in his career? Like just a average, like a Phillip Rivers even, like in, like in a little bit above average quarterback, quarterback and definitely Phillip Rivers is, is more than that. But um, just he's had Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky for the better part of Allen Robinson's career, and he's been this damn good. I like the way that he moves around the offense. Allen Robinson, um, he's facing an Eagles team that gives up the most fantasy points to the wide receiver position, 45.1. He'll move into the slot a good amount. He's clearly like the only option on this team right now is Allen Robinson in terms of targets per game. Mitch Trubisky has the lowest fantasy points per attempt this season, and Allen Robinson is still having a good year. Mitch Trubisky is only probably a quarterback still right now for the Bears, one, because of where he was drafted and the money they're paying him, but two, because Allen Robinson is actually keeping drives alive uh, for this team and actually making him seem, although very bad this season but functional at at best um next up john brown against washington john brown will likely see and be able to avoid but for the most part he lines up on the left side of the field about 60% of the time you're going to see the most amount of the time Josh Norman stay on that side of the field and boy oh boy has Josh Norman been bad in this season I mean this is by far Josh Norman's worst season it started last season Josh Norman has not been good since really he left Carolina but people are going to continue to think he's good because obviously the media ingrained somebody's name into their brain and everybody thinks Josh Norman is good but Josh Norman has given up 416 yards and five touchdowns so far this season that is a 140.7 pass rating against Josh Norman on just 36 targets he has been so bad. Again, Norman will line up 76% of the time in the left side of the field. That's where Brown lines up 46% of the time. Brown is not just a deep threat either. He can go deep. He has the wheels, of course. He's a burner, right? Um, speedy Brown. And But there is still the intermediate route running that he does very good. Marvin Jones Jr. at $6,000 probably gets Daryl Worley. Daryl Worley has not been great, but he is just de facto number one cornerback for Oakland. I already like Matt Stafford. I like Galladay. Uh, Marvin Jones is a little bit of a salary relief off of Galladay and helps getting to a stack there. Tyrell Williams. I like a lot. Darius Slay has been um, so Tyrell Williams came back. He played plus 80 plus percent of the snaps. He scores a touchdown. He looks very good. Darius Slay has been dealing with an injury so far this week, which allows probably and we'll see based on he's been practicing limited. And I'm just trying to pull up the exact matchup notes that I have for Tyrell Williams here straight out of the game by game notes. If you are interested again, they're over on Patreon but what you're getting here for Tyrell Williams is a direct matchup with potentially uh, in this spot Rashawn Melvin who Melvin so far this year has not been good he's given up 425 yards and three touchdowns on 25 receptions now in terms of yardage this season that's the eighth most most yards given up by a cornerback but it's the 23rd most receptions so what does that tell you that discrepancy is telling you that he's giving up a lot of big plays right not as many receptions but a lot more yards if he's giving up that many big plays that fits Tyrell Williams perfectly. He's a big play receiver. He's a fast receiver. Melvin has had trouble with those guys this year. So if you do see that Darius Slay is out, I mean, right now I already have interest in Williams either way, but he becomes a much greater priority on a slate where there's a lot of overpriced receivers. His $5,900 price tag seems fair. Robbie Anderson, we talked about earlier, probably gets Ken Webster. Robbie Anderson's averaging over 40 air yard target share, 40% of his team's air yards. He's just in a really good spot against Miami, who really struggles to cover receivers. 37.7 fantasy points per game allowed um, two receivers so far this season. The problem with Anderson is just volume, but we know he can get there on like one target, really a uh, deep target. We've seen him already 90 plus a 90-plus yard touchdown this season, but he only sees 6.1 targets per game. The upside there is that he's on the field 92% of the time, and he sees 14.6 air yards per target. Not going to be a red zone target at all one red zone target this year partially because the team doesn't get to the red zone uh, but he's really just a deep play guy he's a boomer bust gbp only type play uh who's up next here lastly for my guesses is dj moore dj moore is going to get to go up against malcolm butler who got shredded apart last week um, by mike evans just left and right who's been shredded apart all season long dj moore for some reason is only forty eight hundred. like this guy even with kyle kyle allen throwing the ball has like a seven or eight point floor. That's very good for a $4,800 wide receiver. Like, yeah, seven or eight points isn't winning you a tournament. In cash, it seems very good if that's the worst he can do for you more times than not. But we know his upside is somewhere in what, the 20 point range? DJ Moore here, and even Curtis Samuel, but if Adore Jackson is back, that hurts Curtis Samuel a lot more. DJ Moore has a great matchup either way here. I like him a lot now to my maybes there's a handful of them um if you're watching you can see all of them I'll, I'll go through them briefly on the audio podcast but tyler lockett if you want to get to russell wilson obviously makes sense to stack him with so does dk metcalf metcalf is cheaper so if you want to run back the tampa bay stack with metcalf who played over 90 percent of the snaps for the first time in his first season in his career technically um, or it is uh, not even technically his first season rookie here 92 percent of the snaps is the most he's ever played so Both those guys are fine if you want to stack. Those are the two options. I would run it back with Metcalf and Tampa Bay stacks just because it's really expensive if you want to play both Tampa Bay receivers, $7,300 Goblin, $7,200 Evans, and then stack it back with $7,500 Lockett. You're probably not going to be able to get anything else in your lineup that's viable. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's probably going to get a matchup against um, Tremont Williams in the slot, who's only given up 36-year-old Tremont Williams, slot cornerback, only given up one reception per week, eight receptions this year, for a total of 14 yards per week. Obviously, Keenan Allen is a quality... Wide receiver who can beat Tremont Williams um, if he wants to, but if he starts to beat him, they probably put Jair Alexander on Keenan Allen, which makes it a much, much, much tougher matchup um, for Keenan Allen. So he's a maybe this week at his price point. I think has not changed now for three straight weeks, uh, but he probably leans more so towards a no. Juju against Indy, which is a very good zone defense. They usually don't play man up in the slot. They'll put a zone, um, which can help him in terms of getting there like on six or seven receptions and short catches. But his big play upside is going to be capped here. 6,300, it's a fair price point if indeed he does get peppered with targets. But he's probably going to have to be very touchdown dependent this week. Jamison Crowder, likely a cash only play for the reasons I mentioned earlier. We'll have a good matchup um, and his team is going to be a decent sized favorite. But again, like if he has six catches for 60 yards, that's a really good Jamison Crowder week more times than not. And that's really only going to help you in cash. Mike Williams at 4,600. I would imagine he sees Jair Alexander because I think that they just don't shadow Keenan Allen with Jair. And all they do is they say, we trust you, Tremont Williams, for the Packers in the slot like we were just mentioning on Keenan Allen. So I think they put their best cover corner, one of the better ones in the league, on Mike Williams on the outside. Makes it a much worse matchup for Mike Williams, but still a matchup he could win at times because of his size um, advantage slightly over, I think, two or three inches on Jair Alexander. The Jarvis Landry at 4500 is just an interesting price point. There's not that many 4K receivers I like. I like DJ Moore. I like Curtis Samuel, if indeed Adore Jackson doesn't play. And then it's Mike Williams, like we just talked about. But not much else. I have too much upside, and we'll talk about the two Miami receivers next. So Jarvis Landry stands out as a guy who doesn't have to face um, doesn't have to face any of the outside cornerbacks and Denzel Ward if he plays in this one, which he should. Or greedy Williams, he'll have a more beneficial matchup in the slot. Forty five hundred dollars. It seems like a nice price uh, to pay there or I said Greedy Williams or Denzel Ward, that is his team's cornerbacks. What I meant to say is Chris Harris Jr. on the outside, which you will get Odell Beckham facing, which has been a shutdown matchup. And so far, Chris Harris Jr. Two catches for 13 yards to Allen Robinson in a shadow matchup, two catches for 36 yards to Devontae Adams in a shadow matchup, and two catches for 54 yards to T.Y. Hilton, one of which was just a great sideline catch last week by T.Y. Hilton late in that game for a comeback from the Colts. So Chris Harris Jr. has been a shutdown cornerback. Yes, Odell can beat shut down cornerbacks here and there but nothing from this offensive line for cleveland shows me that that's the case i think that more priority goes to jarvis landry in the slot makes very nice play if you want to go to him in tournaments lastly the two miami wide receivers look they have good matchups jermaine johnson on the outside Daryl Roberts on the outside. Good matchups for both Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. Ryan Fitzpatrick seems to like Devontae Parker more. Preston Williams has the greater size advantage on Daryl Roberts. If you want to get to them, it's fine. I much, much, much prefer DJ Moore. Probably prefer Curtis Samuel either way, even if Adore Jackson is out there. And I prefer Jarvis Landry more. So if you want to get there, you can. Not much priority. I think it's very hard to justify paying for Adam Thielen at 7800 or Stefan Diggs at 7600 Very hard to want to pay for Tyree Kill without Matt Moore out there. And Devontae Adams, I'm not really sure if he plays yet. So those are some of my justifications for the topper and wide receivers that I have listed as no's. If you were still listening, and I just got a notification, Adrian Peterson's still not practicing. I don't think either, and they're 10-point underdog, so he's really not too much in play, although their offensive line has a very good run blocking advantage this week. I don't think Chris Thompson has been practicing, which would leave Wendell Smallwood as like the only, once again, running back. So not a great spot, not really something that we have to t- discuss too much, but at least... Working through my live reactions to that tweet that I just saw pop up from Roto World. So, finishing it out with tight ends. Tight ends is they're priced up this week. I don't really have any interest in Travis Kelsey. He's still priced as if Patrick Mahomes is throwing him the ball, which is a steep price point. Right around seven thousand, he comes in at six thousand nine hundred. Very steep price point for Matt Moore throwing you the ball, and clearly already a hard price point to pay off as a tight end if you're not scoring what somewhere near hundred yards or at least at, at least a touchdown in the game. I like Darren Waller against Detroit. Should have a good matchup with a 26.25 implied total. Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams make for obvious stacking options with Derek Carr. I like Hunter Henry. The Packers have struggled against quality tight ends, as most teams will, but the Packers really have. We saw Travis Kelsey last week. We saw Darren Waller erupt the week before. And even when they were double teaming on a Thursday night football game, Zach Ertz, he still was able to have, I believe, six receptions for somewhere near 60 to 70 yards, which is a quality week for him as well battling double teams on a short week Uh, so Hunter Henry at 6,000 I do like and then Zach Ertz 4,700 Deshaun Jackson has been practicing if he's back and even if he's only out there for limited snaps as a decoy it's going to make this Philadelphia offense much less narrow which means that they don't have to just throw it to Alshon Jeffrey short because he's not much of a deep threat anymore and they don't have to just throw it to Nelson Aguilar short in the slot which hasn't been working where Zach Ertz short, and now the defense has to actually account for a player who can take the top off of the defense in Deshaun Jackson because Matt Collins has not caught a ball in the last four games. Zero catches in replace for uh, Deshaun Jackson in the last four games. One catch the last five games. Five games ago, he caught a ball, just one. So he's been absolutely terrible. So defenses are just saying, hey, we're going to double team. Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard has been playing more snaps. He played five more snaps than he ever has last week, 75% of the snaps total. But that doesn't worry me for Zach Ertz's upside here. Zach Ertz still played 90% of the snaps last week. They just went more run heavy approach because they were leading in that game by a lot, which led to more 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field. And last year, the Eagles led the entire league in 12 personnel. So we saw Ertz having a, a historic year last year, and it really didn't impact anything when Goddard was out there more. Ertz is only $4,700. That's the biggest takeaway here. This Bears defense is not what it once was, and they really have not had um, too much success against tight ends overall this season, especially good ones. So Zach Ertz is a great play at 4700 Probably my favorite play as of right now as I record this. I um, still have a couple of days to figure that out. But Vance McDonald, so now my maybes. There's a lot of them. If you're not paying up a tight end, I think Zach Ertz is a nice middle-of-the-range option at 4700 If you want to just punt all the way down because there's a lot of expensive receivers, and obviously McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook are expensive. That also makes sense if you want to punt. Here are some potential options. Vance McDonald, 4,100 against the Colts, who allow you to give up, who allow you to make easy receptions to your tight ends because they play his own defense and it leaves the middle of the field and short passing open. We've seen Vance McDonald continue to run more routes and play full snaps as he gets healthier the last two games. The Colts give up 14.5 fantasy points per game. That is top five on this slate. And even if he only has, what, five receptions for 50 yards, doesn't find the end zone, that's still a pretty quality week at a $4,100 Vance McDonald. We've seen tight ends only have to get you like 15 points to win a Millie Maker because they're all pretty bad this year uh, for the most part. Obviously, there's ones that stand out, right? You have guys standing out like Darren Waller, Hunter Henry to an extent, Austin Hooper. uh, But for the most part, there's some weeks where you don't really need your tight end to erupt because for the most part, they don't erupt. Um, John New Smith is interesting for me if, again, Delaney Walker is out. Even if Delaney Walker is is going to be in. He's still somewhat interesting, but the price point of 3800 I think there's better options. Greg Olson is running the fifth most routes out of all tight ends. Right now, there's only very limited people running more routes than him. I believe it is Travis Kelsey, Evan Ingram, Zach Ertz, and Darren Waller running more routes um, than Greg Olson. Uh, so this is a very good spot. Uh, For Greg Olson, he is $3,500. The problem is he is Greg Olson and he has a somewhat difficult matchup uh, this week. So maybe you want to get there. I think I prefer just punting all the way down to this next guy, Noah Font. So Jeff Herman, the backup tight end who plays about 50% of the snaps and splitting time with Noah Font, the rookie, he came out the last game and now he's probably not going to play this weekend. They're saying early indications are saying that or really later in the week indications. So What you got last week was Noah Font running 82% of the snaps or routes or really snaps. Yes, but he ran the most routes he has this season and he saw eight targets. Now you also factor into that, that Emmanuel Sanders left last week and it left a void in the middle of the field. Now Emmanuel Sanders was an outside receiver who came into the slot on about a third of his routes. It left a bigger void with no Jeff Herman out there and a little bit Emmanuel Sanders, which Noah Font was able to take the most from that. Now there's no Joe Flacco, which might actually help this offense, but Brandon Allen coming in no passes so far this season for Brandon Allen. It might make sense to throw it to your tight end. If Jeff Herman is out, $3,000 no fun. Look, if the guy has four catches for 40 yards for you, you take that at $3,000 in cash for sure, probably. And you don't really hate it in tournaments if he ends up finding his way into the end zone. It just really binks for you. Last guy is Chris Herndon. Track his status. $4,000, really good matchup against Miami. We'll see if he's actually going to play, though. And that's it. That is it, gang. Look at that. Look at that. All the interest for today or for this week, week nine, are out there. I'm going to have my ownership show tomorrow morning on Friday morning. I'm going to have a live stream on Osmo Saturday at 11 a.m., as well as a Patreon-exclusive live stream Saturday morning as well. And then Sunday morning, our closing thoughts on Patreon, it's a podcast, usually about 45 minutes to an hour, tell you really where I'm getting in my exposures, where I'm getting with my stacks, my, my final interests, ownership, all that stuff. If you're interested, you can hit the link down below to Patreon, get access to all of my NFL content and or all of my NBA content right now. I have my projections up for NBA currently already for today and we'll have them up every single day. So, I want to say thank you for tuning in. My name is Salvecher. You can follow me on Twitter at SalvecciDFS. You can listen to the audio version of this podcast if you are not already. If you are, if you hit a five-star rate and review, that really helps me out. And you will be entered, if you leave your Fantasy Draft handle, into a raffle to be entered into Fantasy Draft's main event this upcoming Sunday. I will announce the winner Saturday afternoon. So be sure to do that if you're watching on the YouTube channel. It's linked up down below where you can leave a review. Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate you all tuning in. Be sure to check out Fantasy Draft as well. That is linked up down below to their contest this upcoming weekend. Again, you're just going to save a ton of money if you play in Fantasy Draft. My name is Sal. You already know that. I hope you have all had a beautiful week so far. Enjoy the rest of your Halloween. Peace out, game. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish if you enjoyed this podcast, if you can please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.